Hello, I'm Olivia Wilson and welcome to ThoughtShare, a safe space to share your thoughts on topics that matter to you. So today I'm joined by four incredible poets and storytellers in their own rights uh, to talk about the rise of spoken word poetry amongst other things. So what is it? Why has it become so popular? And is it perhaps the outlet we need in times of crisis? So I'm joined by storyteller and author of some things, Panya Benjoko, author of tongue-in-cheek and Spoken Word Poets Holly Fisher and Chrissy Quarry. Thanks so, so much um, for joining me, guys. So I suppose my first question is, to, not historically, unless you guys do know, but where does spoken word poetry come from? What's your, what's your understanding of, you know, how it all started, how it originated? Um, Panya, let's start with you. How did you discover it? Um, well, I guess... Uh, I come from that uh, tradition of uh, oral storytelling, being of African Caribbean descent. So uh, listen, listening to stories being told is part of my childhood, part of my heritage. Um, you know, if, if you're talking about historically where performance poetry, if that's what you want to call it, comes from, then I would actually, myself personally, would trace it, trace it back to the West African tradition of the griots, you know, telling stories um, and telling stories that will be memorable. So using techniques like rhyme uh, and and other uh, techniques like gesture and and how you connect with your audience through eye contact. So personally, I see it as something that has been part of of my culture for a a very long time. Um, And... uh, yeah, and I guess it's um, it's coming to more prominence now, which is interesting um, because when I was coming through on the circuit as a performance poet, it was certainly something that was looked down on. So it's interesting to see the shift now uh, of uh, performance poetry get, getting some kind of status. When would you, have you observed there being a shift in what, the last five years, the last 10 years, maybe even more recently when do you think that shift started to happen yeah i mean if you because i'm look i'm going down the route like like i say of of being a black poet and you had um people like louise bennett in the 60s in jamaica performing what people would term as occasional poetry Um, but it was performance poetry in in the way she was performing it to an audience and then that not really being accepted because it was in vernacular but then by the 80s vernacular was something that was being used as a tool of resistance by poets like Linton Kwesi Johnson and Jean Tabriz and Benjamin Zephaniah. So I would say round about the 80s you started to see um, uh, an emergence of, of black poets on the scene doing performance poetry uh, under the name of dub poetry. Um, and then so the 80s made it a little bit more acceptable to do poetry in vernacular, to stand up and do poetry and it was in some ways, um, getting some prominence alongside uh, page poetry, which is always seen as the, the piece, the resistance of poetry. And, you know, and I can question that, who, who decides which poetry is more acceptable than another? Who are these people? The dominant group that says poetry on a page is more respectable or is worth more than poetry that is being spoken. We can say that performance poetry is something that, um, you know, the wider group of poets are are performing as well and is claiming and it's getting more status because of some of the contemporary 
performance poets on the scene. And is that what drew you to poetry, you know, its kind of origins as well? And what, what, what was it about poetry that, I don't know, if you pardon the pun, spoke to you and drew you in? Is it because of, you know, what it, the, the roots of it? Um, there were certain people around at the time that what they were saying resonated with me. Uh, so I go back again to Louise Bennett, who I encountered at around the age of 11. And that was the first time I saw vernacular poetry on the page uh, in her book, Jamaican Labrish. And then moving into the 80s, I came across Linton Kwesi Johnson and he, his poetry gave me a voice as a teenager at school. Uh, I don't know if you know his um, seminal collection, England is a B-I-T-C-H. Um, uh, and so I, was, I can remember walking around school chanting that. Uh, so it gave me power. It gave me uh, a way to articulate the experience I was having as the, the first group of um, Windrush children born in this country and going through the education system in, an, in a hostile environment. So then, you know, that spoke to me, but I didn't quite know as a teenager that poetry would be something that I would be drawn to. Um, and then the next seminal moment for me was Jean Binter Breeze and her poem um, Ordinary Morning and another one she does about uh, a radio being inside her head, uh, you know, performed beautifully. And I saw that on TV. And at the time I was a young mum uh, with, you know, a young baby. And her poem really spoke to me about, you know, the everyday mundane activities that women have to, to do. Um, and how in her poem, it was just a simple task of pegging some clothes out on the line that brought her to tears. And that resonated with me because it is difficult being a, a mum and having children and, 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 and all of that. And it was around that time that I thought actually, this is something that I could do and want to do. But coinciding with that, I also felt that I had something to say. And, um, and I wasn't quite sure what outlet I could use to say what I wanted to say, which was to articulate my experience as a young black woman in Nottingham. And poetry was the vehicle that enabled me to do that and not get arrested. Cause you can say oh, lots of stuff in poetry. <laughs> you probably can't be face to face with people. <laughs> so it was a kind of like a safe haven too. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my, my poetry journey. And since then there are, there are numerous poets that inspire me. My taste is quite eclectic. It's not just, confined to dub poets but you know um you know some of the classics classics like Rudyard Kipling's If and mm, um, I've got that framed you know, all of that I kind of learned to love words so um yeah Chrissy what about you what kind of drew you towards poetry I did this thing at college for Black History Month and it was a competition and I remember when I was 11 I wrote my first poem but going through high school they taught us to write poems um, using a dictionary and <laughs> using like the little word bank and I'm like you know rhyming couplets <laughs> I went and I went to college and I went through this competition and I wrote my poem and everyone was like wow I didn't know I had it in me I just did it and then I came into uni and I started performing and I started questioning you know like what Panya said why why does this have to be one way of poetry you know the one classical way and that's perfect poetry 
And then I started reading like Benjamin Zephaniah, listening to some Maya Angelou, and then George the Poet was my biggest inspiration. Then I started pursuing poetry, started performing, and just started writing my thoughts on pen and paper. And then I dashed away the old ways of being taught poetry with a dictionary and with a sheet of adverbs and stuff to use. I just did it <laughs> off of spoke from here you know mm. and I started using poetry as a form of activism because I'm very passionate about equality especially within you know for ethnic communities equality for young girls across the world that can't have education and just picking picking out things that are wrong and like what Panya was saying like poetry is the only way where you can have insult the government or say something bad about them and not get in trouble so I just <laughs> use that to express my anger and for me, it's just been, it's been a safe haven. And, and a lot of times I used to watch a lot of African-American movies and they'll do like Def Jam, where they'd have poetry with jazz music. And I love the sound of saxophone. I'm still looking for someone that can play the saxophone today because if I can find that, that would make my day. In the way they perform poetry, like they'll have them have the, like, the jazz band playing, they'll be performing poetry and they'll be painting as well. And like there's a painter actually paints, visualizing what the poet is saying. And I was like, this is just so that you know you can have poetry and have all these other forms of art coming with it and it was just that was it for me I was just like this is it and I just did it because I loved it and then doing it from I loved it to doing it because now you're getting paid to do it and people want you to perform and and yeah so I just do poetry and I just don't think about if it rhymes what it says it just comes from the heart and I just let it flow and then yeah mixing with a bit of theatre and performance and that, that was it. That's me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, what you described just sounds like my, yeah, as you say it, a haven, you know, absolute paradise. That sounds incredible. And a lot of what, you know, yourself and Panya were saying um, is talking about how poetry is a lot to do with identity, it's a lot to do with community, belonging, but also, you know, about these kind of emotions. That seems to be, and, you know, my kind of interpretation, I know it's very personal for everyone of, you know, what I think poetry is about and what really connects me is the emotion is the story ultimately behind it whether it be based on truth whether it be based on the kind of fictional land you've imagined in your head or whether it be a commentary on society I know Holly you do um you know your poetry you know I've been reading is about a lot to do with kind of personal experiences about you know emotions I mean how much do you touch on your experience and how much is um your poetry inspired by the emotions and raw emotions that you're feeling in all honesty, uh, my, I, I would say that my, my poems are probably the most authentic way that I have of expressing myself. I had come from a, a background with a lot of trauma and I suffer with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And for a long time, it was always very difficult to be able to be honest in expression. So I'd be like, oh, I'm fine, you know, I'm very resilient, I get on with things. Um, but underneath that, there was um, a lot of hidden turmoil. And so it was actually my mother who, she's a very, very good poet, she was a very good poet. Um, and she encouraged me to try some poetry at a very difficult time. And, and I did try and I, I quite liked it and I posted a couple and I got some good responses. And then a few people were very critical about the posting of it because they felt that maybe it was trying to get attention or something like that. And 
my inclination was to shrink and to stop writing. But instead, and this is how I discovered spoken word poetry, I, I looked, I found a poetry slam and I just went along, turned up by myself. And in the end, I ended up uh, running the slam for a couple of years and I, I really enjoyed it. But I did, I, I did find that it was a, a very interesting way to be able to articulate and express things that I couldn't just say to people. And one thing that with, with trauma is a lot of trauma is stored in the body. So it's not really stored as memories or, or anything like that. And I found with spoken word poetry compared to just writing it, I could involve my body in, in a way that was very, very sensory. And I like a lot of my poems, I, the way that I like to express my poems, sometimes I do them with music and I like to express them in a very lyrical, sensory type way and that that feels very very cathartic in in the sound and, and the way that it feels because I, sometimes I I uh, I hear sound as a physical sense so yeah for me it, it was a it has been extremely therapeutic and every time I come across something that I'm trying to digest or or work through, I find it's a, a very, very good way of, of helping helping myself understand it. I don't know if anyone else understands it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's not very, my poetry, I, a lot of spoken word poetry, as uh, Panya said, it's, it stems from very, um, very political and strong origins of, of cultural expression like for example um, I mean it started sort of around to become very popular around about the 1920s in jazz like jazz sort of beat poetry and it has a very very strong grounding in the black community with with how they really wanted to express their their voice where they where they didn't they didn't have a, a strong voice and, and I Although, so I, I kind of understand why that, where that comes from, where you don't have a voice and it gives you a voice, even, even if no one's listening. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that was so be beautifully, you know, kind of explained. So thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think the, the amazing thing about poetry is that the vulnerability that is shared, that kind of common almost collective response to different experiences, but this understanding that, you know, whether it's written on a page, whether it's said into a room, you know, the person in question is often sharing something, you know, that's put, making, you know, them appear really vulnerable and it can often be quite scary. Do you find that performing your poetry is as, just as therapeutic as reading something or listening to something that resonates with you? I think there's something there's something uh, important in in acting something out in terms of helping helping that idea to resonate at a level of understanding that you can't necessarily grasp on a superficial level and this isn't something new 
um, I mean, you can go back to very ancient tribes and the way that they would have worked through a traumatic experience was potentially to, to act something out and, and to have rituals and that, that would bring, they, they called it bringing the, like bringing the spirit back to the body. And if it's, it's quite interesting, actually, if you read about a, um, a particular type of therapy that's, um, that was started by a chap called Peter Levine called Somatic Experiencing. He talks a little bit about that. And I think poetry and dance and possibly like performance art, as the way that Christy was talking about performance art painting, um, again, a very, it's a very physical, expressive thing. And I, I think that's quite important. And it's very different to just reading it or just writing it in terms of that resonation of, of the, the, the soul, really, I think. I think that's what it is. And I think that's what really captures people with, with spoken word and performance poetry compared to just written. It's about that everlasting kind of impact. You know, I think it's the moment of, of reflection. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Tony, um, just to bring you into the conversation here, how, what was your journey like to poetry? I mean, how did, how did you um, get involved with it all? Well, I suppose we all grow up with stories and poems, nursery rhymes were like the first things I heard. And I'm, I am the keeper of nursery rhymes in our family. So if there are, you know, little children, then I am all about Humpty Dumpty. Um, <laughs> and, and then growing up, so sort of in the 70s, a lot of the comedians at the time actually were singing, doing poetry, you know, they were multifaceted. So I really liked Billy Connolly, he used to make me laugh. Um, I think Pam Ayres is great because there's the everyday and there's humour and there's longing and wistfulness and human relationships. Um, and then when I was a teenager, I got really into rap music. So <laughs> God, like, my parents discussed I was really into NWA and iced tea. And, but it was that <laughs> playfulness with language that, you know, expressing yourself in such a way that was powerful carried a message but was entertaining you could dance to it and I was very angry when I was a teenager as well so I know like um John Lydon said that anger is an energy and you know my god poetry and rap is one way to express that um so then I've always written poems for friends and family and um I guess much like um Holly I, I put some out there and people said we really like them um, but I did find that lots of people say, oh, I don't read poetry. I don't like reading poetry. And sometimes poetry is much better heard because when you see that performance and that you can connect to the energy of that person. Um, so I went to an open mic night and thought, I'm, I'm going to have a go. Um, I'd been to an event where you had to make a promise to yourself. And my promise was, I'm going to be more honest and less afraid. And if I was honest, I wanted to perform. Um, I was afraid that the people that I loved would go, oh, that's rubbish. And it, you can't live your life like that. So I got up on stage, gave it a go and loved it. Um, and just have carried on sort of performing ever since. And um, during lockdown, I started posting sort of two minute poetry videos online to cheer people up during lockdown. And I do a lot of stuff that is about, you know, 
oh, living with other people or the state of the house or, you know, why the car is an absolute tip or why getting a dog can be challenging. And it's just something that's relatable and people need an escape. And um, I'm kind of happy that I get to let off a bit of steam and at the same time other people going, oh, I needed that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it, really. And we've, you know, I think we've all touched upon the fact that, you know, poetry can be for everyone. It is accessible um, and it isn't, a particularly spoken word, it's something where there aren't any kind of, you know, sonnet style rules that you need to stick to. Um, and I just wonder, do you think that anyone can kind of be a poet in that sense? Can anyone use poetry and benefit from poetry in the same way, you know, us as individuals on our individual journeys have? Or do you think it takes a certain type of person to be able to connect with it on that level? Well, I, I think, um, and I think, Pani, you might have mentioned it, where there are people who dictate what's fashionable and what isn't but all children love stories or well all human beings love stories all kids love music and I went to a school and did a poetry session and um we talked about like poems being um songs with without the music you know it's it's that power of of lyrics so I I think it is about just having access to it and hearing it and people think oh I'm not creative or I can't do that or poems must rhyme like Chrissy was saying which is completely untrue um but we go into school where we're made to sit at a desk and we're taught that things happen in a certain way and my kids actually my daughter went to a poetry live session which was um some really famous published um poets but for the children they didn't connect with some of it because of the reading. And I think had they gone to a poetry slam or some kind of really immersive experience, it would have spoken to them more because they felt that a poet is someone that stands there and reads out their poem like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think of course it's for everybody. Um, we just need to I think, listen to ourselves not what we're being told is fashionable or acceptable or the right way to do things I have a daughter that sings she's a fantastic singer I can't sing and uh, and we talk about that in the in terms of everyone can sing everyone can make that noise with their voice they can use their voice box to project a sound and sing but not everyone is a beautiful singer <laughs> <laughs> Very poetically told that. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter, she's a beautiful singer. I'm not, but I can sing. And, um, and I think it's the same with performance poetry. Yes, of course, everyone can take part in performance poetry. Uh, but there are some performance poets on the circuit that have that art, art form down to a T and are excellent performance poets. Now, that's something to strive for. That is something to uh, work at crafting your art form um, for. So, um, <clears throat> so yes, everyone can be uh, a performance poet, a poet. Chrissy, is that kind of what you know you drove you towards it? I mean, amongst other things, was it the accessibility bit? Because I remember you saying earlier that you felt like, oh, you had a moment when you thought, oh, I, I can do this. This is something that is possible. Was that something that was a huge um, 
factor for you in, in getting involved in, in poetry? Yeah, because it was like, you'd always see that gatekeeper mentality when it comes to poetry. And that's the same when it comes to quite a lot of art forms, because I'm very um, active in the, um, in the art industry in Coventry. And I realised that, you know, there's a lot of gatekeeping in anything to do with performance or art. So for me to see that I could go on stage and use vernacular and say things like ain't, isn't, and use slang in my poetry, it was just like, oh, this is, this is nice. This is different. And I think that's what open mics give you. Open mics give you a versatility of different poets who use, you know, whatever, just come and do their thing. You know, there's no one telling you what to do and what to say. And it's allowing that freedom of, that freedom, creative freedom. I think that was just, that was just it for me and and even just seeing before me that there was other poets that you know you use the same language or similar language that I would use in my poems before me and they've made a career out of it and they've done amazing things with it just that was from that gave me hope because like I said in school we're not taught like that we're just taught to make everything to the T your English has to be perfect you can't you know you have to use a dictionary you have to make sure that it rhymes there should be some adjectives some similes and their metaphors and and I, and I feel like it's kind of like straining when you're be given a dictionary to write poems because you're like picking words that you believe will get you the mark. Mm. But when I threw all of that away, I just let it all out and it just, it was just crispy. That was just me. You know, I wasn't forcing to become a, be like the poets that I read in my GCSE anthology. You know, <laughs> I was crispy. So I think that that accessibility is what pushed me to keep going. And having that support system of people saying, you know what, you can do it, you are good. And even like the other day I was walking from union, someone was like, hey, I saw one of your spoken word pieces and it was amazing. And it's like, oh, okay. And I can't remember where they said they saw it because I can't remember that piece so long ago. But to have people remember your pieces in, your, in their mind, remember your performance and how that made them feel, it's like, okay, cool. Because mm. sometimes you just do it like, you know, Holly was saying you just do it just to let out steam or and Tony just to let out steam and just you know to express how you feel but when somebody else hears and feels what you're saying it's able to connect to you I think that's the most beautiful thing because I, mm. I the other thing for me was the fear of maybe people won't like what I have to say and then one of my friends were like don't just matter my one of my friends was like even if you touch that one person that makes a whole lot of difference and I think for me I always took that with me and just kept going and then you know I think it kind of eased me in and I became a bit less nervous and afraid to get on stage and just perform. So we've all been talking about, you know, not being limited by what we want to say. And I suppose in society at the moment, you know, you could say that it's quite polarised, I think it's fair to say. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of kind of division and often spoken word poetry particularly often has commentaries, whether it be on experiences, but also on society. And I wonder, how do you find, you know, do you think poetry is a kind of great way of making a comment on society and making a change, particularly in this very, what seems like a very partisan and, and divided um, time at the moment? Um, poetry is a great way to comment on what is happening whether poetry has the power to create change, that is something else. Um, you know, you talk about polarization, um, you know, these d discriminations, are, they're endemic and they're systemic. And uh, if poetry could change that, then, wow, wouldn't that be a great thing? And there've been poets through the ages and still we are, here we are in a society yeah. that is, you know, unfairly structured. And so, um, <laughs> whilst I'm an advocate for poetry and I love poetry immensely 
I don't think I can attribute it to the power of changing society. Maybe it might impact on an individual and make an individual think about something. But in terms of sustainable, real change, that has yet to be seen. I think that it, it's interesting because in some social media, I would say has enabled things like spoken word poetry to become more popular in the mainstream environment. But in, in some ways, the origins of spoken word poetry, like for example, um, in the in the 50s and 60s and things like that, where it, 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 I think it would have had a, a more powerful impact than it does today. I think the, the amount of information, um, media, just just the sheer volume of voices that are speaking on social media actually dilute everyone's message. So you may well have something very powerful to say and perhaps it will be heard and then it will be very quickly forgotten mm -hmm. just because of the sheer volume that of voices that are, are speaking on social media. I, I always feel like um, platforms like like Facebook for example they they always remind me a little bit of um, I don't know if you remember the old sort of town town square where perhaps someone would set up their soapbox <laughs> and they would go on do their talking and maybe they'd get an audience just because it was it was an entertaining or maybe people agreed with them but they'd they'd have a, a temporary audience for what they wanted to say and for me, a lot of the social media platforms feel a bit like a town square where everybody is on a soapbox and they're all so busy talking that there is no audience and there is nobody actually listening. So I think in terms of changing the course of society, I, I mean, this is my personal belief. I, I, I believe that starts from ourselves i think there's a saying that if everybody sweep, swept their own doorstep the whole street would be clean and i think if you want to see um to see to see love and and you want to see peace and you want to see harmony that starts with you and it starts right here so can we make a difference to the whole of society? I think what Chrissy said, if you can, if you can make a difference to one person, even just one moment, you've, you've added a drop of love to society that wasn't there before. And I think that that's more important than trying to change the whole of society. I think there's a, a saying, isn't there, bombing for peace. And the more, the more anger, the more, the more we get angry about what's happening in the world, the more, the more we are contributing to, to the level of anger. And I think that's just my, that's my, my own personal view and I'm, I'm not advocating what anyone should or shouldn't do. But. For me, because I use my poetry as a form of activism and I think that's the way that I feel like I can contribute to change by constantly talking and constantly writing about the injustice and pushing. And I feel like that's how I'm bringing something in. And I think it's nice because like I'm bringing something different where others would probably go to a meeting and sign petitions. I'm just using my creativity and the voice that I was given. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree with um, Manya. I don't,
think it would I don't think poetry standing alone just spoken standing alone will make give the change we need but I think if like um Holly was saying if everyone just did their part you know so my part is spoken word and anything creative writing anything creative actually just using that to make some change so yeah that's how I I, I think it's it's you know, it's, it's, it's what you can bring into the world. So it's this poetry that you use to, you know, go against societal wrongdoings, then it's poetry. If it's music, then it's music. If it's art, painting, drawing, then it's art, painting, drawing. I think that, that way we're all contributing something. And it's not like it's forced. It's not like I've been forced to stand in parliament or forced to go into protest. I could just say, okay, how do I contribute to these things and make sure that, you know, I'm bringing adding my voice to the voices that are already out there. I know, Tony, you use humour a lot in your, you know, in your poetry to kind of, you know, make some sort of statement, whether or not it be, you know, poignant or, you know, just something something else. But, I mean, how how, how do you incorporate humour? And what is it about kind of um, tongue-in-cheek style poetry that appeals to you as an art form to, you know, create um, something? So... Well, I think, I mean, you have to laugh. I mean, we need that right now. Sometimes we need some lightness of touch. Um, I, there's a couple of pieces I do. I do one piece, which is called Bush Issues. And it's about body hair. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got, you know, teenage daughter. And it talks about why is it that women are expected to be, by some people, to be completely hairless, whereas men just get hairier and hairier as they get older. And that doesn't matter. So, um, and when I perform that, it always gets a response. And people will say afterwards, so I'm going to show that to my teenage daughter. Or I've had guys come up to me and they've said, completely agree with you. Um, and uh, there's <laughs> some people go, oh, my God, you're seriously not going to discuss this, are you? Um, but it's doing it in a way that makes it feel safe and okay. And people can laugh. Um, and I do... Um, a piece about um, social mobility so I come from very low socioeconomic background and now I find myself in a position that was sort of unimaginable when I was a young person and I'm trying to square that those two experiences so I do this whole thing called middle class gangster Um, and again it takes that topic of what does it mean if somebody becomes socially mobile Um, and and again it's presenting it in such a way that people don't feel confronted um and you know I laugh at myself and and give people permission to do that it's um yeah yeah so I, I feel for me you know the worst of times we do find it within ourselves to laugh and I'm keen to kind of bring that out and help people find a bit of light um in the you know in the darkest of times yeah, which I think, you know, as we all know at the moment, is uh, definitely something uh, we certainly need and is beneficial. In the US, they have, it's, a, it's huge out there. They have these huge competitions, these poetry slams. It's, it's an embedded part of, you know, culture or subculture rather. And I just wonder, is that something that's lacking in the UK? Which, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it is. It's not as well known. There's, um, there is things that are going on. You find them more in places you would expect to find them. So Oxford, Cambridge, Reading, London. There's there's different there's different places. I think the reason it's more popular in America is first of all America is bigger. 
So they have more people. They have a lot more big cities and therefore they have a lot more going on um, just in the sheer size of, of, the, of the populations in the cities and things like that. And I think that does help. And also a lot of spoken word poetry originated in America. So it's been going longer. So here, um, it, it, like, as I said, um, Apples and Snakes, I think they had their first poetry. They were the first one and they had their first slam around about 1984. And I could be wrong, so please don't quote me on that. Check yourself. But, um, but it had been going in America since, you know, like I said, the 1920s. So it's really, really in its infancy here. Yeah. Um, whether it will become more mainstream or don't, I don't know. But um, I think that's probably the difference between the two countries. But I mean, yeah. I have uh, their opinion on that. I know the BBC did one. The BBC did, did a poetry competition recently as well. Yeah. I just, just wanted to add to that that Leeds also has um, a strong um, performance poetry, Poetry Slam presence as well with the Leeds Young Authors, they also have that. But also um, when you talk about um, it being in America, that coincides uh, with the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance. So yeah. that's around about the time of World War One, when you had people like uh, Claude McKay and some of those, um, well they were, they were Jamaican poets but they moved to America so they they come under the banner of African-American um, poets. I don't know why that is. I don't know why their their nationality changes just because they are in America. Uh, and people like Marcus Garvey, who was there at the time. So this is when that um, performance circuit b began there. Um, uh, so that's why you'll see a presence of it being in the States rather than here in the, in the UK. It's where hip hop gets its origins as well, isn't it? Is in the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, Har the Harlem Re Renaissance was quite a, a pivotal moment um, mm. for um, the African-Americans, which were, you know, and they were made up of a wide group of different people. As I say, people from the Caribbean were part of that. And they were, yeah. they were hitting back at what was happening at that time with how they were treated after they'd served in World War One. They came back from World War One thinking that they'd fought for, for freedom and justice mm. and equality and actually what they were experiencing in, in America at the time wasn't that, um, you know, and we see Claude McKay's poem, If We Must Die, uh, coming out, uh, you know, um, shortly around that time and how that poem has been used all over the world, you know, in the Attica prisons, even Winston Churchill used it in World War II to rally the forces, although he didn't mention that it was a poet that was a black who's, who's you know whose words he was using at the time so that period in time was quite pivotal for the performance poetry scene yeah and even with the hip-hop i even take some of my inspirations from hip from old school hip-hop i listened to a lot of old school hip-hop when i was writing my poetry um because mm. i thought it was a bit relatable as well yeah i wondered if in the uk um we kind of suffered because the folk clubs shut down so there was a huge when I read Pamir's autobiography and it talks about that proliferation of every village you went to every town there was a folk club and people would just go take a guitar you go sing do poems perform and we don't have that anymore and so I do think there's a real lack of spaces where people can do it there used to be um, a lot more going on in in the folk 
um, like folk festivals and things like that. There's very few now. I think there's a very big one. Is it Cam Cambridge, isn't it? There's a big folk festival. But they used to be dotted around all over the place. So I wonder if, the, like you said, Tony, the drop in that here has... Yeah, I mean, we don't have the community spaces available anymore. And now the pubs are shutting. It is, where do you go to have your voice heard if you are not, as, as you were saying, in a major city? Um, and maybe that's where, I don't know, I've performed a lot online. It's not the same, but... What to you is a, you know, a strong, powerful spoken word poem? I think my artists jump in no, I think yeah. it's, <laughs> it's it's authenticity and sincerity so I, I think it doesn't have some people try to talk about something that they think is powerful and and it and it just hits a dull note but then you'll get someone else come on and perhaps they're talking about something that maybe isn't considered as powerful but it strikes you more powerfully because it it it's really sincere and it's authentic mm -hmm. and it's delivered in a way that demonstrates that and then you start feeling what they're feeling and I think that's what makes something really powerful. How much do you think delivery is kind of part of spoken word poetry in terms of you know you can write the poem you can learn the poem but how much does it does delivery take to actually you know bring that magic bring that spark I mean they say with comedy for example it takes it's what like 90% delivery 10% the actual joke I mean what 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 percentage if you were to give it that um do you think delivery is weighted in well I think that's so important I, my uh, a friend of mine said to me um he said you're you're very good at what you do he said you make a six out of ten poem look like an eight out eight or nine out of ten poem I still thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably not a very good poet but I'm I'm much better at delivering it and so everyone thinks I'm a good poet so I, the delivery is really important in spoken word um, but again I think there is there is a, a sincerity that comes across in that so it's not it's it's a really genuine delivery. I mean Tony yeah I mean Tony it would be quite interesting to hear from you what you think because obviously you know having the more kind of comedic side how much I mean do you feel like you're at an advantage you know having that and being able to deliver things um in the kind of, I imagine quite punchy way um, I think it is the the delivery is all isn't it because if there is a moment where you pause or you change the way that a word is said to you know match the kind of flow that you want you, you just can't do that when it's written down if you read it and you think, I get what the author is saying, and, and it becomes more about the content, doesn't it? But when you are delivering, at, at the time, people might say, wow, that was amazing, or you made me feel this, or that, or, you know, I got that out of it. When they get home, they're not going to go, I remember every word that she said. What they're going to remember is how you delivered it and how you made them feel. So I think, yeah, the, the, the performance part itself is, it's enormously important. Are there any poets um, that you know, you have in mind that are really good performers or inspired you to be a performer like um, them? I mean, Christy, I mean, is there anyone that immediately comes to mind? Her name's Melisa, I'll put her name down, and she, she's based in Bristol. Uh -huh. And 
she did a, I think she did a TED Talk performance as well. So she's really doing quite good. And she just, the delivery, the everything, the, just from the minute that she speaks already, like you're just hooked already, you know, like from the get-go, yeah. like just powerful. And it's the deliverance as well. And uh, along with the writing, she's like, everything is in, che- in check. And for me, it was just like, wow. And for me, when I started um, poetry, I could never, I could never like, I'd read it from my phone and read it for paper. Only now recently I'm starting to, like maybe in the last year, I'm starting to like really recite it from memory. And she taught me how to recite from memory. This is how you do it. Break it down in chunks. Run around the house. Reciting <laughs> until you're tired. I'm and- having images here. <laughs> and it helped. And for me, I think that was one of the big things. And because, you know, we both kind of started, maybe she started poem, um, poetry a bit earlier than I did, but it was having that one person, having a friend that, you know, is doing the same thing as you. And she is just powerful. I, I've really had to kind of forge out my own personal, uh, professional development career as a poet, because um, while Nottingham is a city of literature and it has been for five years and, and we're saturated with poetry, it wasn't always the case. And you find that, um, you know, it can be quite insular and it can be quite elitist. So at the time when I was coming through on the poetry circuit in the the late 80s, um, there wasn't any support for poets like me. And uh, writing about political issues, if you can call it political issues, I call it human issues of uh, inequalities and injustice and police brutality was frowned upon by the upper echelon. So, um, you know, so it was quite a lonely and solitary career for a a long time. Um, And if anything, it demonstrates my resilience, staying with it to the point where I guess certain sections of Nottingham's community couldn't ignore me anymore (laughs) because my audiences were sort of advocating on my behalf. So there was a, a, you know, a 360 degree turn there and, um, yeah, and I, I do have quite a profile. In fact, I'm one of the patrons for the UNESCO City of Literature. How amazing. Doing, doing all sorts of uh, wonderful things now. They sent me to India um, a, year, a year ago too to, to, you know, to take part in the, the Jaipur Literature Festival, which is one oh, of the biggest just... literature festivals in the world. Um, so, so, yeah, different people along the way. Wow. That's incredible. That I'm so jealous. I mean, I want to go to India and then to do it for a literature festival. I'm in in envy right now. Um, well, just to before we wrap up, just I suppose the final question for, you know I'd pose to you all is, you know, for people who aren't familiar with poetry generally, you know, spoken word, and that's you know another, one of the many reasons I wanted to kind of do this episode was to kind of raise more awareness about such an important art form. What, what would you like individuals who haven't had that exposure to spoken word and poetry know? You know, what would you like to tell them about it? That it can be um, a, a wonderful tool in many ways. Uh, it can be a tool to help you escape, depending on the type of poetry you want to read. It can be a tool that helps you articulate your experience and gives you a voice. It can be a tool that is used um, uh, to forward activist um, agendas. And, uh, and it can also be a tool that you can use to map out a career for yourself, as I have done. You know, I work uh, full-time freelance as a writer and have done for 
you know, over a decade. So you can make a living from it and you can develop and extend. So whilst uh, performance poetry may be something that you start out with, you can, uh, you know, expand into publishing and have your work on the page, you know, um, publishers like Burning Eye Poets, who I'm published with, they're now looking at performance poets and putting their words in print so that, you know, the mainstream publishers who wouldn't touch people like me in the past is making them think about that. So, um, so yeah, I say give it, give it a go. It's, it's a great thing. There is no gatekeeper mentality in poem, poetry and don't let people tell you what type of, what is poetry or what what is art and just be yourself mm. and never say no never say no and mm. be willing to learn from others as well and read <laughs> yeah it's not a joke <laughs> especially because yeah, i just started freelancing with creative writing and read and listen to other poets and just go once we come out of lockdown do your best to turn up to as much open mics poetry done network because I think the biggest thing for me is word of mouth. Once I wrote a poem for Berkshire Women's Aid, um, I went along to one of their groups and, and read um, a rap style poem that was a, uh, a response to some of the misogyny against women. And they enjoyed it so much. These were not a group of poets, they were just a group of women. And they just loved it so much. And I encouraged them, you know, write write yourself and read it out loud and even if it's just to yourself anyone can write a poem and anyone can read it out and uh, it's such a a useful way to be able to articulate what's what is your truth yeah be playful and be honest and don't be afraid how about that that was a lovely note to end on. So thank you so, so much, um, all of you, for joining me um, on ThoughtShare podcast. Um, a safe sh- I can't even say it. A safe space to share your thoughts on topics that matter. And today we're talking about spoken word poetry. Um, so yeah, tune in next Wednesday at 6pm um, for the next episode. But thank you again to Panya Bajoko, Chrissy Akori, Tony Kent and Holly Fisher. Really, really appreciate for sharing your thoughts on spoken word.